to a very special episode of the Chip Up Podcast. I'm doing a round review of the first round of the US Open. We're going to try and do two or three of these, maybe even four of these over the weekend. Just a quick 10 to 15 minute recap of what happened basically on the first round. So we're going to get straight into it right now and, you know, just try and cover as much bases as we possibly can in, the first, in these 15 minutes. So basically on Thursday, Pebble played as easily as it pretty much possibly could on a pretty benign and soft day. I mean, the fairway stats were probably as high as you'll ever see on the PGA Tour because the fairways are pretty generous on the course. And the course's length is disproportionately concentrated, if you get what I mean. There's four or five monster par fours. And pretty much the rest of the par fours and the par fives are pretty pretty gettable, with the exception of maybe 14 is in a par five. They're pretty short. You know, you can hit irons off the tees. And they set up for a lot of wedges into the greens or perhaps maybe seven or eight irons into the greens if you're, you know, hitting those irons off the tee. So the course doesn't necessarily play as all the way as short as it does, especially with these softer conditions. But, it, you know, the fairways are pretty generous and pretty easy to find. And Paul Casey said the course has actually set up really fair, even though it was pretty easy, which was the main talking point of the day. And so, so far, so good for the USGA in that sense. Time will tell if they miss over the weekend trying to get those scores three or four shots higher. But at the moment, fairways are pretty easy to find and the course played really easy today. Ricky Fowler, who finished in second place at five under par, said in his interview that he'll only hits four to six drivers. And I said that on the, the uh, preview show. That, you know, that's pretty much what you expect around Pebble Beach. You know, be able to hit those long irons and, and woods, which you thought would play into Tiger Woods' hands on pretty much soft wide fairways with very little wind on a day like today and the course's only defense comes on from the rough around the greens and pretty much three or four very very difficult holes around the turn but rest assured when the course firms up over the next few days we're not going to be seeing a 65 from just the rose and four 66s and i'm pretty sure the usj would love that as well and you know as i said the conditions were pretty benign but the greens did firm up a lot in the afternoon and you have to think that they're going to keep firming up over the week so the scores you know the leading score was six under on a day and that was quite low but you can't imagine that, you know, holes like the 12 are going to be pretty impossible to play as the week gets on and it becomes more difficult to hold these greens. But yeah, the leader after the first round was Justin Rose, who fired a brilliant round of 65 and he's leading it on his own at six under par. Shooting that round in the afternoon as well, which was the more difficult of the conditions. And it was pretty much all brought about, almost all brought about by one of the best putting performances I think in his entire career, I would be surprised if he had a better putting round in his entire career. He had 22 putts <laughs> over 18 holes. And I don't normally put much value into strokes gain stats at all, but in this round, Justin Rose had plus 6.2 strokes gained in putting. That means that he gained 6.2 shots on the field on one round just from putting. That is an utterly mind-blowing statistic. I don't really know know if, what the record is for strokes gained putting, like leading in one round, but that's got to be up there. He basically got, he scored to par just from putting. And it's just incredible. And it's even more incredible when you think about how he played with his long game, especially early on. I mean, he didn't really hit too many very good shots at all on the front nine. And he showed real early frustration on the fifth hole, which I'll, I'll mention in just a second. But he seemed to be swinging very out of sync. His lower body and his upper body weren't necessarily always in one motion over the first few holes. And he was really, really scrambling. I think by my account, he only played two holes, like, as you should, regulation holes. Or two really, you know, well-played holes on the front nine. And he ended up going out in <laughs> 32 shots. 
<laughs> it's an absolutely amazing performance around the greens to, to be able to make that happen. And honestly, you know, as I mentioned just before, that bunker shot on fifth on the fifth hole, he really lost it. He lost his composure, and you don't see that from Justin Rose very often. You often see a little bit of frustration if he misses a putt, but you don't see you don't see that where he smashes his club into the bunker. And you think usually in a US Open, if a player is doing that after five holes, you don't see them necessarily producing a good round, but but he managed to take the lead and he got that up and down anyway from that bunker. And at that point, he was even one under already. And these afternoon starters, Tiger also lost his cool on the fifth hole when he hit a really, really horrible hook shot. And he started swearing on the 13th hole too. And they were playing together. And, you know, it just showcases Tiger wasn't very composed at all. Like you normally see from him, you normally expect from him. It just goes to show that the early starters, this low scoring really put pressure on these later starters to get a good round in because they felt, right, I've got to make my score now. They're starting on the first hole, which is the easier stretch, the easier front nine. You think, I've got to make my score so that I can, you know, one, take advantage of the conditions, which were pretty easy, and two, not lose too much ground to the leaders who had already posted scores. And you think that kind of pressure doesn't bode well in the US Open, especially where they say, you know, they preach patience, you've got to build your scores, and it's such a tough test that you've got to, you know, make it happen over a course of time and not try and push it too hard. But, I mean, they actually did all right. Tiger really did really well to hang around. And in the case of Rose, he obviously took the lead. But on a low-scoring day like today, it wasn't a traditional US Open patience kind of thing. It was more like a bit of a birdie fest. And speaking of people who are patient, we're talking about Kepka, the the defending champion. He shot two under and he's only four shots off the lead. And he his patience was incredible today. He played away from pins when he was out of position and he was out of position very often. He didn't play well at all, and especially with the long game. But he played incredibly smart golf, which he never really gets credit for, you know. He he played very, very poorly, but he managed to be right in the thick of things because of that smart golf. He gets credit for his strength, you know, from the rough. He gets credit, obviously, for the power and his incredible driving, his temperament, you know, some of his wedge game, his holding out, and even putting sometimes, like when he hold a five-footer on 15 after missing a three-footer down the hill. That's both mental strength and great holding out. But he never gets credit for his course management. And it seems that only short hitters are capable of good course management, getting that label to, awarded to them, you know, like the likes of Poulter, Donald, Furyk, those are the kind of guys who get the course management kind of player label as that they, you know, plot their way around the golf course. But you've got to say Kepka plotted his way around this golf course today because he didn't have his good stuff. He knew where to miss. And then he, on the 11th hole, he had such a small window to to put the ball and he ended up putting it uh, right where he needed to, just on the front edge of the left of the green. He did the same thing on nine where he had such small windows after a poor tee shot. And he put that ball right where he needed to, to be able to make a par. And then he did make a par. And, you know, on 8, 9, 10, 11, he only dropped one shot when lesser competitors could have dropped three, four, or maybe even five. I mean, he played with Victor Hovland, who was almost better positioned than Kepka on some of these holes. And Hovland dropped three shots over that four-hole stretch. And, you know, this is reflected in Kepka's interview with Tim Butter after, after his round where he said, I'm really happy with my round, when people would just expect Kepka to be disappointed because... He was four under after six holes and he finished at two under par. But Kepka's a smart guy. He knows it's a four. He knows, you know, today is the easiest day of the four, almost certainly. And he's put himself in position and, you know, he's going to go out tomorrow morning early, get the better conditions. If he can be around the lead, then he's going to be 
right in, in the mix for the weekend and he knows it's not, you know, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And that was demonstrated by the fact that he knew his course management was great because he didn't play well and he, he managed to get a, a 60, you know, a sub-70 round from from that. And just like Kepka didn't play well, managed to stay within striking distance, same thing as Tiger. Tiger didn't play very well at all. And, you know, they both hit a lot of loose shots and fighting their swings. Tiger threw some real shockers and the approach on five was a huge hook on a par three that led to double for Tiger. And, you know, he didn't really show too much composure when he hit these bad shots, like swearing on the 13th tee, visibly, audibly, you know, you'd expect a bit more from Tiger, he's super experienced. He didn't really have that kind of composure, even though he, he fought and he ground really well, and he managed to make a lot of really good pars, and he hold, you know, a clutch putt for par on 14, great up and down on 17, and he just managed to stay around. He shot under par when he didn't have anywhere near his best stuff. And if Kepka's happy with two under par, oh, you know Tiger's going to be happy with one under par, or maybe not happy, but he'll be very satisfied with knowing that he can go out in the morning and try and be two or three shots off the lead going into the weekend. But the four other men lying in second place, one shot behind Rose, all shooting five under par 66s, were Ricky Fowler, Xander Shoffley, Louis Oosthuizen, Arrow Wise. And Fowler, Shoffley and Oosthuizen are going to be the heart of the coverage tomorrow, and they'll be... I'm going to talk about them a lot more because, you know, I'll be able to watch their entire rounds tomorrow evening. But they all were lying in second place at five under. And normally that's the question of whether they can keep it going. And for Aaron Wise, who's starting tomorrow morning, that question is very valid. You have to think, you know, he's going out early in the morning. He's going to get the better conditions. But and he he's he's obviously finished in the top 30 in the FedEx Cup last year. It doesn't really mean too much. But he won the Rookie of the Year. He won last year on the PGA Tour. But I will be very, very surprised to see. Aaron Wise hang about into the weekend. You know, he may shoot a good round tomorrow, but I don't see him hanging around come Sunday at least. But you know that with Fowler, Shuffley and Oosthausen, they all got predigree. They've all got previous. And the question of whether they can keep going is is a bit moot. They're definitely going to keep it going. Like, Shuffley has turned into a pretty consistent major force. Shout out to Ben Court. He's got a couple of quid on Xander Shuffley to win. Good luck to you, mate. But he's become such a solid contender in all majors now. He finished second, obviously, at the Masters. Finished second at Carnoustie. Two historic courses, two historic championships. Pebble Beach, another historic course. US Open, another historic championship. He's a big game player, Zander Shuffley. He really, really is. And you have to say, he's positioned himself better than he has in some of these other tournaments. Don't count out Shuffley yet. He is looking good for contending on Sunday and, you know, it's early, but he's a bit of a dark horse for sure. Oosthausen obviously is always a threat. When he puts well, he's always a threat because of that swing. His short game is absolutely magnificent now as well. I didn't realise how good it was until I watched him about last year. I, you know, he always expects his pitching and his long game to be great. But his short game around the greens, it was always decent, but it's really improved a lot. He's magnificent now. He was always smooth out of bunkers, but the thick lies in the rough. He's just got such touch now. A slightly wider stance, and he gets under it brilliantly, which will serve him in great stead for any US Open, but yeah, definitely this week where the rough is so thick and almost downhill lies every time around the greens. And of course, Ricky Fowler never won a major, but he looked cool. He looked calm. He looked very composed in his interview after, after his round. And you know... Shooting a five under round to start with, it's been a while since Ricky's, you know, got himself up there early. He's had a lot of tournaments where he has a late charge, but he's just too far back. But this time he's really in there. 
early on in the tournament. And you have to say, he's looking cool. He's looking calm. Will that last until Sunday? That is the question with Ricky. But you know he's going to be there on Sunday, that's for sure. Speaking about McElroy real quick, he got off to a great start as well. He shot three under par 68, so he's three shots off the lead. Got off to a great start, which has been his nemesis in majors recently. Particularly in the US Open, McElroy's only missed eight cuts in his entire career at the majors. And three of them have been in the last three US Opens. And, you know, you think McElroy is always making these late charges in majors. He's only had a couple times recently. You think the Masters last year and the Open also last year, where he's been probably up there around to go. You think Macro has to be in the up there in the lead, close to the lead after day one so that he can build on these rounds. And if he does have a spectacular round, he'll be able to maybe take the lead. And, you know, he's in position going into Friday where he's got the afternoon start, but he'll be right in the spotlight and he'll know what the morning starts have shot. So he'll know exactly what he needs to do in the afternoon. And he's playing so, so well that you think Rory is going to be shooting another good round tomorrow. But today was fantastic. He... He hold a lot of putts as well, so his putting has continued, which is the most important thing for Rory. His long game is just immense, so it doesn't really... It, it's a bit nullified in the sense from all these fairways being so easy to find and the course being quite short. But if he can play those really tough holes around a stretch well, like he did today, he only had one bogey and that was on the first hole, the 10th, which is brutally tough. If he can play those holes well around the turn, then you'd have to expect McElroy will shoot another good round tomorrow. And a couple of other really quick notables before we sign off. First up is GMAC, Graham McDowell, who obviously qualified for the Open in dramatic style last week, his home Open. He's now got the whole world weight of the world off his shoulders. He's got his PJ Tour card. He's in his home Open. I mean, he's got literally all of his goals are achieved for this year. Now, he's going back to the site of his only major win, where he was the last champion at Pebble Beach, playing really good golf, really good from uh, tee to green. And he shot a bogey-free round of two under. I think other than Nate Lashley shooting in the afternoon, he was the only player in the morning at least to shoot a bogey-free round. And, you know, with GMAC, if he starts holding a few more putts, he's such a grinder. If he plays like that from tee to green, it's going to stand him in very good stead um, when the course dries up because he was he was excellent. He had a great control of his golf ball. And, you know, if he starts holding a few more putts, then watch out for GMAC. He's right up there. And watch out for him. He's free-flowing. He's got nothing to lose. So, you know, he's a bit dangerous. And Keimer is also another a man who's very dangerous. He's, the way he's speaking recently to the media and the way he's sort of acting and holding himself, it seems like he truly believes that he's he's very, very close to producing consistent golf that will get him back towards the top of the world because he's talking about his putting. He's talking about his long game as if he's figured something out you know, that he never had when he, he talks about like stuff that he's figured out with his putting that he didn't have when he was world number one. And when you're talking that confidently, I mean, you've got a player of the caliber of Keimer, the way he's speaking is incredibly, incredibly good signs for Keimer fans. And, you know, don't discount him either on a tough golf course. He's, he'll be there. And I think, you know, he could be a really dark horse, like a really good bet at the moment. If you're fancying placing a bet on Keimer, because it's looking very good at the moment for his game. Francesco Molinari shot three under par. That's his first good round since his Masters heartbreaker. We'll see if he can follow that tomorrow. And also it was a tough day for Dustin Johnson and Phil Mickelson, who shot 71 and 72 respectively. Both were looking to banish their US Open demons. You know, memories from 2010 at Pebble Beach for DJ. And just in general for Phil, who's had so much US Open heartbreak. He's trying to comp- um, Phil's trying to complete the great Grand Slam. And what many people see is his last proper chance and it's a bad start for him. We'll see what they do tomorrow, but 
I have more confidence in DJ at least getting back into the tournament than than Phil. I think that it was a bit of a backbreaker this first round being over par when so many players are under par. It's going to be tough to get that back. And he started in the morning, so he's going to have afternoon session tomorrow. He'll do very well to get back in this tournament, but don't write Phil off ever. And lastly, in this quick little recap of round one, a shot of the day obviously goes to the PJ Tour's resident Slovakian, Roy Sabatini, who had a hole in one on the 12th hole, which is an absolute steal on a, just a beast of a par three. It's honestly looks like the pretty much looks like the hardest par three green ever to hit because it's so shallow. But an honorable mention goes to Callum Tarrant for his hole out as well on the 10th hole. The Englishman who, you know, you may have read about earlier this week, he's got a very interesting story about how he got to the US Open and you should check that out. But what a, what a hole out he had from 200 yards on the 10th, like pretty much the most difficult hole in the course. I mean, it's just as, if not more impressive than Sabatini's hole out, but it's not quite a one on the 12th hole. You know, it's tough to beat that. And, you know, that's all we've got time for in this little recap of round one of the US Open, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Remember to check us out on Instagram at Chip Out Golf, on YouTube at Chip Out Golf, and on Facebook.com forward slash Chip Out Golf. You can go check out our website at www.chipoutgolf. Send us in some emails at chipoutgolf at gmail.com. And yeah, I'll see you guys hopefully tomorrow for another quick recap. Enjoy Friday at the US Open. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. 